Isaiah 55, come. Literally, hey, listen up. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Listen. And eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, that your soul, that part of you that really connects with God, your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. God keeps his promises. Made steadfast this sure love for David. Verse 10, Isaiah 55, 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout and giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You will begin to understand relationships coming back together in peace like you've never thought possible before. And it's through the power of this word that is spoken. And we are challenged to come. Come. Let's learn what it is to rest in the word. And we really do need this resting place, learning to rest. And I, and I think we'll see it in a different light than, than what we normally might and we really need to have this. This is essential. If we're going to hear anything else the rest of the week, this is foundational that we come to the Word and we're filled, not with everything else that's going on, not with all the other distractions, but we're filled with God and His Word. And if we're ever going to be able to comprehend this idea of stressability that we've addressed this ability to use the pressures of life that will come and use them in productive ways. If we're ever going to learn this, it's going to start with how we come to the Word. I would really like for us all here to be able to go away from this place this week having so well memorized Matthew 11, 28 through 30, that it just, just rolls off the tongue. There, there's no effort to try to remember what it is. So let's take a minute to, to go back and address this, all right? So we'll start with the reference, we'll say the verses, and then we'll say the reference again. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
Matthew 11, 28-30. So how many of you already have that memorized just like that? Got some of you? All right. How many of you memorized it in King James and now you're trying to memorize it in ESV and it's just got you messed up, all right? That's me. How many of you worked on it some today already? Can I just, several of you, that's, that's good, all right? Now, did you notice that the word rest showed up two times? Did you notice that? Let's go back and look at this again and take note of that. Let's say it out loud again. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28-30. Did anybody try to paraphrase this today? I'd really like you to try to do that. Once you have it memorized, go ahead and put it into your own words and think through it in ways that make it personal. And in fact, you can make this even as a prayer back to God in your paraphrase. Come, learn to rest. And it's through the Word. Most stress that we face, we we like to think of it's coming from external, but really nothing out there is causing your stress. You know what's causing your stress? It's in your head. Every one of us think certain ways. The battle is in your brain. And what we fill our minds with will determine our stress level. For me, it as I kind of referred to earlier, it's 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 watching the news. If I turn on the news or if I'm reading the news, uh, I, I, I get cranky, I'm a little bit ticked, I'm preoccupied, I'm bothered, and, and my wife will say, so oh, why are you so uptight? Well, it's all this stuff that's going through my head that's stressing me out. <laughs> I can't blame anybody else because I put it there. That's what I've been thinking about. If you want peace of mind you're going to need to address what you allow in your mind. Let me say that again. If you want peace of mind, you're going to have to address what you allow in your mind. Jesus said here in Matthew 11, come, come to me. And then he also talks about this matter of rest. When we come to him, we're going to find that he says, I will give you rest. So come. We're going to ponder these things as we addressed in Isaiah 55. Come think. Come meditate. Come ponder. In Isaiah 55, we read, come eat. Come chew on these things. And you could say, I will give you rest. You're going to discover rest. You meditate. Meditate. Meditate, kind of like a cow moves, and he meditates on his food. He chews the cud. He just kind of chomps at it, doesn't bother to close his mouth. Ladies, any guys here in your family not close their mouth when they're chewing? Does that irritate you? Or is it the other way around? Yeah, it's, it's, okay, yeah, you do that. That's, 
And that's just, but no cow ever bothers about that. All they're thinking about, that cow is thinking about the next bite. And I know you've done this. I know you've done this. You're coming up on a fence line where the, there's a herd of cows standing there. Some of them are laying down, and they're just chomping away on their third or fourth address of that supper. Maybe they're starting the first one. They're just grazing. And then others are just kind of chewing on it, and they're on their second helping. And they're, there's a whole different taste they get out of that. And then the third, and, and they're just concentrating on what they're eating. And you drive by, and you're thinking, I'm going to scare those cows. Have you done this? I know you have. You drive by, and you lay on the horn. Ah! Have you ever seen a cow chewing the cud stressed out? It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You know why? They're thinking about something entirely different. You meditate. So my goal here in these next few minutes as we look at these passages, we'll look at several of them, I want, I want to change the way you think about rest and where you find rest and, and how you get it. For most of us, we think rest is me time, where, where I get to do what I want to do. And, and for me, that's I do nothing. I just want to sit on the couch, get a bowl of ice cream, turn on the TV, and veg, and not have to think. I have an empty head. Yeah. You know what, I, what happens to me when I veg in front of a TV? I get the TV head. My head is just pounding with, uh, boredom. My mom used to say, David, you've got TV head. You've been watching too much TV. And that, that, does, that doesn't do me any good. I want us to change our idea of how we find rest, how we, how we get to this place where we find rest for our souls. And a place to go to address that, we, we've seen it here in Matthew 11 that Jesus says, come to me, and he says, I will give you rest. And this matter of rest is really a big theme in the Bible, and it shows up in Hebrews. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews is addressed to a people that the Old Testament was given to us along the way, all right? And so in Hebrews chapter 4, there's a whole lot of context that goes into this. These people understand this, this matter of the Sabbath. They know Genesis and that God rested, and it's all through the book of Genesis. And you get into Exodus and Leviticus, and God gave all kinds of directions for how they were to spend their day of rest, their Sabbath. And it wasn't necessarily taking the time off, doing nothing. Really, the rest was a matter of learning to listen to God and then be refreshed for what comes next. So, the Sabbath wasn't, let's sit around and do nothing. They were very active, but they were refreshing their souls. They were listening to God. But then here in Hebrews chapter 4, we find that there are people here that don't have rest. And I, and I want to I address that for a few minutes because I think that's where most people live. They don't have rest. We're stressed, we're agitated because we don't have rest. This thing, the Bible clearly says, is something that should be a regular part of our life, is rest. So let's start reading in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, okay, this still works, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed 
to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. They didn't listen, and they didn't have faith. So here's a reason we don't have rest. They weren't united in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the, finish it with me, the Word of God. So the way we come to this is learning to listen to this substance, the, these things that God are saying that, that is saying that is so real. And we see it addressed here in this terminology, verse 2, it's good news. It's not the bad news that you hear everywhere, it's the good news. It's, the, it's what we just heard this story about of, was so perfectly done and illustrated that the whole Bible is all about what Jesus Christ has accomplished, and you realize this is good news. Most are not listening. So many other things have our attention. They're filling us up. And then also we see in verse 6, Verse 6, since therefore it remained for some to enter in, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of, here's a second reason, disobedience. There's a disbelief that leads and shows in disobedience. They were not united by faith, excuse me, and number two is a hardened heart. This disbelief of disobedience is coming out with, by the way, disbelief is, is really an important concept. It's not just, wow, I, didn't, I couldn't, didn't think that's possible. Disbelief, if you look at the definition, it's an inability to accept the thing that is true. You're not wanting it because of something else, and we see that in the hardened heart. What causes a hardened heart? So I, I want to know what's happening here that's causing this. And we're going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail back into the Old Testament to get to the answer of why did these people not have rest? Why were they not believing? And why did they have a hard heart? So we, we know that this passage that is just addressed here in Hebrews chapter 4. They did not enter his rest, and then there in verse 7, he's quoting David so long after in the words already quoted, chapter 3, verse 8 of Hebrews. He's quoting something in the Old Testament. It's actually Psalm 95. So keep your place in Hebrews chapter 4, and let's go back to Psalm 95. And it's a beautiful chapter where the psalmist is, is expressing praise and singing to God, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise, and he goes all through all these reasons, and they're focused in verse 6 on this, this God who is our maker, oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, notice what comes next, do not harden your hearts as at What's the next word there? Meribah. Now, what is that? What's Meribah? And you go keep on reading, and as on the day at 
Massah in the wilderness. All right, so that's going to, so we've, we've read something in Hebrews that is actually said in Psalms, and Psalms is saying something that happens in Exodus. So you go back to Exodus chapter 17 to find out what this verse is talking about in Psalm 95. Are you still with me? Hang in, hang in there with me as we work our way back, because this all ties together with why people don't have rest, all right? So you come to the beginning of this chapter, and you know of Exodus chapter 17. Are you there? You see here this time that the people are starting to complain because they don't have water. You would think that Moses would have thought about that. Where's our water? We have to have water. They've forgotten that God has already brought them through the Red Sea, and He's already shown Himself real, and He's speaking to them. And they're, and they're complaining, why, are we so, why, do we ha- why do we not have water? Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Now, that's an interesting thought. When we're complaining, we're testing the Lord. Whoa. So you go on through this passage, and I won't take time to read all of it, though it's very worthy of it. You skip on down to verse 6. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, Moses, and water shall come out, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of this place Massah. Now, does anybody have a footnote in your Bible about what that word means? It means testing. You're You're testing God. And Meribah. You're quarreling. Isn't that like we are? We're constantly upset with not having what we think we deserve, our rights, our demands. That's America. But keep on reading. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, and here's the key to the whole thing, is the Lord among us or not? They doubted the presence of God. They thought it didn't really matter. Doubting the presence of the Lord because of your circumstances reveals a person that's going to be very stressed out. Something is more real to you than God, the circumstances, how bad it is, and how much we complain. Back to Hebrews chapter 4. So we've seen the problem that we have that leads us back to our quarreling and doubting that even the, the bad situation is all we think about. We don't think about the fact that there is a God who is with us, who is there to help, to whom we give account. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to behold the evil and good. We cannot hide from Him. We must answer Him. All right? Most people are stressed out because they don't think that God is real. So how do we get there? Back to Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews chapter 4, as we read through the rest of this chapter, the writer points out how to find rest in the Word. And we'll start reading in verse 11. So you've seen the context that leads up to this. You see how important this is. And then verse 11, we start reading, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. But I want you to note something, and maybe even mark it in your Bible. Would you note the three times that you see this little phrase, let us? Okay, this this is pushing us to do something. We want to acknowledge that there's a call to action here. All right? So look for those three statements. 
So chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 11. Let us, therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that we were just looking at. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and it is discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Remember, we do give account to a God who is here, and He sees and knows everything about us. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Keep on reading. Verse 14, Since then we have a great high priest. Oh, thank God that we have somebody that stands in our behest before God. It's Jesus Christ. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. Let us hold our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he who is righteous (laughs) gave us his righteousness and took upon himself our unrighteousness, and he paid the price. He provided atonement so that we don't have to come up with that atonement payment ourselves. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's move through these three let us statements. Let us strive to enter. Verse 11, Strive here is, is a word that is, is the idea of it's, it's use speed or, or get, get toward it, sprint there, uh, exert yourself, run as fast as you can to this place, get there as quickly as possible. It, it, it doesn't come easy. You're going to work up a sweat. You're going to be purposefully trying to get to this place. And where is it? Verse 12, it's in the Word of God This quick, that is quick and powerful and active and sharper than in any two-edged sword. This is where you want to run to as fast as you can. Run to the Word. Strive to be there. Put out the exercise to get there. Get there and, and stay there and keep on working out in the Word. It's powerful. It's convincing. It's the truth. Number two, hold fast. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 14, Continue in this is the idea of holding fast. Lock in. Get the grip and don't let go. So once you're there and you're in the Word and, you, and you're, you've run there as fast as you can and you're, and you're grabbing a hold of this, you hang on for dear life. This confession where you've come to an agreement with what God is saying. You're, it's the homologeo. You're, you're saying the same thing as God is saying. You come to the place where you're saying, it doesn't matter what I think, what, I really, ma- what really matters is what God thinks. You think God's thoughts with conviction. So you, you let us run to the Word, let us hold our convictions. And number three, with confidence or with boldness, knowing that what I have to do is going to have a good benefit. With confidence and boldness, draw near. How do you do that? cross-echo to approach, to take, take steps on purpose to get there, to this throne of, what's the next word? Grace. Now, that's a big word. That's a, that's a word you want to come to and grasp hold of and love, fall in love with grace. 
to this throne of grace, this place where you're going to see God's help become very real to you. When you think of grace, obviously you think of salvation, you think of amazing grace, you think of God's riches at Christ's expense. But let me give you a little bit more that's to, to help you in your growth and understanding grace because you want to take steps of growth and be bold in these steps of growth as you obey the Lord and as you're drawing near to Him in fellowship. This idea of grace is, is God's gift of enablement to, to, with His Holy Spirit to, to help you do what you cannot do on your own. That's Romans chapter 8. And when you come before the throne, this throne of grace, you're coming with an attitude of worship before an almighty God who, who you're in awe of because of who He is, and then you realize that He's giving you a hand to help you there. It's the enablement to grow near to Him this throne of grace. So, we have this running to the Word, we're hanging on to it, we're keeping it close, and we're coming to Him with confidence. Let us do that. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Let us confidently approach the throne of grace. So, here are some takeaways. In order to find rest for your soul, It's not just vegging out or going to the beach or hanging out at the lake or going fishing or going hunting. There's nothing wrong with those things, but that's not where we're going to find rest. Where we find rest is running to the Word, is becoming convinced of what the Word is, and and then living it. So you dig into the Word. You talk about God and what He wants you to do with His Word, and with confidence, you take the steps to draw near in a close relationship with Jesus Christ. It's His grace. Who are your heroes? Do you have any heroes? Our culture is a hero-worshiping culture. It's crazy in their superhero worship of flawed (laughs) fakes all over the place. Several people over the years have influenced me greatly, as, as, and one of them is really a hero of mine, and it's my father-in-law, and he is 85. Let me tell you why. We call him Papa, but my, young, my oldest grandson, who is now seven, when he was two, uh, kind of on his own named Papa, Grand Happy. That's a great name, and he really lives up to it, Grand Happy. And, uh, well, let me just show you this, this picture of Grand Happy. I think, um, can we get there? Let's step ahead. To, there we go. We got those. That, oh, go back. That one right there. All right. That's my Grand Happy. That's my wife's dad. And that is a very typical reality. of. He didn't know I was taking that picture. This was just a, a week or so ago, and, and that's what we see every time we're at his place. He's at his kitchen table early in the morning. Uh, across the grass is the church that he had the blessing of being able to start back in the 60s with he and three other couples and a pastor family, and, and that, her whole life has revolved around that. But that's my grand happy. Look what he's doing. Um, it's a habit that be- began a long time ago. 7 o'clock in the morning, he and Nanny would open up their big family Bible back in the 60s. They had a big family Bible, and they'd get out the daily bread, 
And he's come to call that the inspired daily bread because it always seems to fit the situation that they need at that moment. And they just started doing that on a regular basis. And then it added a little bit and it added a little bit more and doing different things. So now all these years later, when Papa gets up uh, in the morning, uh, he, he will turn on the coffee pot. He'll cut up some fruit. I mean, this is just like clockwork. He does this every day. He cuts up the fruit. He brings it over to the table. And then he pulls out his attributes chart. Let me show you that picture next. You probably can't read that very clearly because that's just some scribbles that Papa's put on a piece of paper, Grand Happy. But it's, it's uh, six days of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and I think maybe, yeah, I think he's got Sunday on there as well. So he, he has different things that he's discovered as he's reading his Bible about attributes of God or what his God is like. And as he's reading along, he discovers another one. He has to get another piece in there. And uh, by the way, I want that piece of paper when he goes to heaven. All right? Uh, that, that has all kinds of memories for us. I think I'm going to have to fight some grandkids over that because they want it too. But he's meditating the first thing in the morning on heaven, and there's some reasons for that. And then he thinks on the attributes of God. He just pulls out this piece of paper that he scribbled on, and he just thinks again about, oh, yeah, he does, he does give wisdom, and um, he does have a hand that's powerful, and, and he answers prayer. And then notice the PTL next to that. He's seen that happen. And uh, he has a voice, and he loves the church, and just all kinds of different things that, that he's just put on a piece of paper to think about first thing in the morning as he's thinking about God. And then after he's had a couple of pieces of fruit and he's had some coffee, he pulls out his Bible. Let me show you his Bible. It's fallen apart. Now, there's a story that goes with that Bible. I think it was 12 years ago, uh, Papa's wife, Nanny, uh, Grand Happy's wife, Nanny, uh, developed cancer very quickly and came on very suddenly, and within just a matter of, I think, four months, she was in heaven. And we were all in grief. Uh, they stayed with us during that time, and we cared for them through the whole hospice and cancer experience, and, and Papa loved her to her very last breath, holding her hand. After that was done, and after we went through the funeral process and all that grieving, he came to me and he said, David, I, I think I need a different Bible. I go, what, what are you talking about? He said, I, I just need something that, I've, I've read my other Bible all these years, but I need something I can read and just understand easily. What do you have? And somebody had given me a New Living Translation, and I said, well, here, try this. What do you think of that? And he grabbed a hold of that thing, and he's worn it out. Papa thinks he can fix everything with duct tape, and uh, that's living proof of that. And so the Bible doesn't say closed, so you can see this thing. Let's go ahead and open it up here. And when he opens the Bible, he has his daily bread, and he has the kind that's the extended kind. He says, I don't have the kind you have. I have the one that's better. It's got some, some extra insights in it. Let me read the insights for you. And then he'll read. And then he'll say, you know, we're going to read the passage. This happens every time we're together. Uh, it's just like clockwork. We're going to be with Papa during his quiet time like this. And he will... Um, say, you know, it says we're supposed to read the first three verses of the chapter. You know, I always read the whole chapter. Do you mind if I read the whole chapter? 
and it doesn't matter what we say. We're just going to go ahead and read the whole chapter anyway. And so he reads the whole thing. He's not in a hurry, and he wants to get the whole context of it, and he'll sometimes read the chapter before it, and then he'll read the passage, and then he'll read the, the, the story that goes along with that. And, and there's a discovery going on about God. This man has never had a college education, but he's the wisest man I've ever known that uses the Scriptures. Um, so he'll dig in deeper. Right now he's reading through the Bible chronologically, and he's having so much fun with that. David, did you know this? Or did you know this came with that? And you know, I never thought of it. And he's always, he's always discovering new, something new in his Bible. And you know, after that's done, then he'll go on and start the things that are going on in his day. But that, to me, is a hero worth following. Uh, he, he always comes up with a, a, a word or two that seems to be repeated in the different things that are coming along the way. Uh, right now, he, one of the words that he's noticing a lot is redeemed. He sees that in the Bible all over the place, redeemed. A while back, it was the word hope. It's hope that we get. Um, I remember a while back, he said, David, do you realize that the Bible says that Jesus says that he came? Jesus came. Why would he do that? Today, he said, my word right now is ask. You realize how much the Bible says that we can ask for? Just ask. So start your day like that, not like the guy in the video. Start your day by being filled with Jesus, who says, come. Come, come, and you will find rest for your soul, that part of you that really does need to be filled. Come. So let me help you do that with, by using a, a simple little acronym that I call REST, R-E-S-T. So here we go. Read slowly. Uh, Read it slower than you think you need to read it. Just take your time. Read it. Just whatever you're reading, read it slowly. Repeat it. Read it again. Read it in other versions. We are so blessed in America to have other versions to be able to com compare and think and, and look at a word from several different angles and, and just take your time with it. There's one guy in our church that he's been in Matthew six, seven, 5, 6, and 7, I think, for three months. Just, he just keeps going reading over the same thing. Another guy in our church has been in Colossians for about a month. He just keeps on reading the same three chapters. So read it over and over. For me, I read it backwards. What do you mean by that? Well, I read it forwards, and my mind isn't really into it. So I read the last verse. Then I'll read the verse right before that. Then I'll read the verse. Oh, so that's where the progression. For some reason, my mind is backwards. If I read it backwards, I get it going forward. All right? I don't know why, but that's just, that works for me, so I thought I'd throw this in here. Listen to it. And nobody wants to read it backwards with me? I mean, you, you tell me if that works for you tomorrow. Just go ahead and read through it straight forward and then read it backwards, and you'll see that you'll discover there's a whole lot more there. Uh, listen to it. We have you version. You, everyone here in this room should be able to recognize that voice of that you <laughs> version voice. Uh, listen to it again and again. And sometimes many of us learn better by listening than we do by reading. How many of you would fit into that category? You definitely are able to get, keep stuff better just by listening to it than trying to read. You have so many tools at your hand to be able to discover the Word of God just by being able to listen to it. 
And again, I say paraphrase. Secondly, examine. So read and then examine it deeper. Ask some questions. How, what, when, where, why. And you're asking questions on purpose with then a reason to go look for the answers. And you can do that so easily right now, even with just a Google search. Just why does Jesus walk on water? <laughs> yeah, you might find some junk, but you might find something really good there. So just start asking the questions and start looking and always check your sources. Uh, identify the main thoughts, the big ideas. Look for the big words. Look for contrasts and comparisons. Look for lists. Look for connector words. Examine the text. And we had a perfect illustration of that this morning. Those of you that were here in the morning session, uh, when Andy was going through Proverbs 1. Amen? Andy, have you thought a little bit about Proverbs? Yeah. And you could tell that he's examined this from several different directions, and he's looked in deeper than just what's... And, and wow, look at the truth that's here. That's beautiful. But that's not just the preacher's job. That's what preachers do. But that's something that you should do on your own as you search the Scriptures and you examine them. You can do the exact same things. Just take your time, ask some questions, look what's there, look up definitions, and you'll discover that there's so much. I came across something, I think it was back in February. Um, in fact, right now, if you'll take out your phone, those of you that have some data and you want to, and you want to pull up a search, and you want to do something to this effect, you, you write, type in there, secret church, David Platt, P-L-A-T-T, -T, how to study the Bible, and hit send. You'll come up with a website for Radical.net. And that will take you to about six hours of lectures on how to study the Bible. It's, those of you that understand inductive Bible study, it's basically going into that kind of thing, just using your Bible. How many of you have ever watched any of the Secret Church stuff? Oh, a lot more of you need to. It's, here's the idea behind Secret Church. It's kind of the idea of like what you would do if you were in a closed access country where you could not meet as Christians, so you would sneak into a place late at night and you'd be there all night long with somebody there that's there to teach you the Scripture. And they would show you how to study the Bible and, and, and work on these things. So they had a secret, and I think they've done like 15 or 16 Secret Church sessions around. But now it's on the internet, all these sessions, plus all the study notes, and it's there for free. I think it's about six hours. You don't have to do it all in six hours on one night, but that's what they would do. I think they start about 8 o'clock, and they go about 4 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, and it's a big event every year to go to the secret church, and you're really digging into the Scripture or to prayer or some issue like that. But this one takes you into how to examine the Scriptures on your own. So I came across this thing, and I was working with our teenagers, and it was right before the, the COVID thing hit, and we had to go our separate ways and hide out for all those months. And I said to them as that was happening, tell you what, while you've got some time, I'll put this challenge out there for you. If you'll study through Secret Church, you'll listen to all the material, you'll fill out all the information, you'll fill out the notes, and you'll actually be doing it, I'll take you anywhere you want to go to eat after you're done. So next week when I get back from camp, I get to go to Texas Roadhouse. And I'm taking two of our teenagers with me, and I get to eat with them. 
all right? And by the way, I'm not making that promise for you, okay? That's just for our youth group. But, but what an investment to be able to, to, to have some young people discover that they, they can search the Scriptures and find that they are so, there's so much real here. So, look up Secret Church, Radical.net, How to Study the Bible. I think it's the third year of their Secret Church. So, read, examine, scribble. That's my word for it. Some of you call it journaling. My journaling does not look good, so I call it scribbling, all right? You, you write something down. When God speaks to you, write it down because you're going to forget it. Figure out some way that's your own system to put it down uh, and scribble it out. And you don't have to keep it. A lot of mine, I just scribble on a piece of paper and I'm able to look at it. And some of you draw pictures. Go ahead and do that. Some of you like to use the keyboard and just type it out. Uh, my wife is great with that. And then I get a text of all this stuff that God has given her. And that's another thing, which leads you to the next point. Talk about it. Talk to God. Pray the Scripture back to God and talk to others. Uh, I've been invited into a group of Bible studies with some guys at our church um, over the last couple of weeks. It's part of our leadership journey. I had a group that was meeting with several guys, and then there's another group, and they invited me back into their leadership journey that meets on Sunday mornings. Uh, they, they just wanted to keep on going through the summer. And I, when I got into this group, I realized that they've been trained very well because all five of the guys, when they're talking about adoring God, they have it already written out in their journal. The guy that's leading it has guided those. Jonathan, is this correct? Every one of them are filling out, this is why I'm adoring my God this week. And it's just part of their routine now of, of writing out what God has told them, and then they're talking about it. And you know what we discover as we're reading what they've, God's talked to them about, and we're sharing it with each other? We're discovering fellowship, Christian fellowship, where we're talking about what God is talking about to us. And it's the real thing. And you know what? It's so precious that even when we're at camp, we don't want to miss it. Luke 10, Mary and Martha were struggling with the pressures of life. And Jesus said to Martha, you're anxious and troubled, but Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Philippians 4, 8, things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what are you supposed to do with that? Think on these things. So read it, examine it, scribble something about it, and talk to somebody else about it. And you know what? The God of peace will be with you. That's incredibly important. The beginning of the awareness of the presence of God comes with what you think about. Your meditation on the truth of God's Word opens the door for you to discover the reality of God's presence, which is the key to being able to find rest for your soul. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So what you think about will determine your stress level. Think on things that are in the Word. Learn to rest in your relationship with Christ found in your time in the Word. Make it real like Grant Happy has discovered. Corrie ten Boom wrote in The Hiding Place, 
If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. Anybody want to say amen to that? Look within and you'll be depressed. Our culture is proof of that. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. So I want to invite you to get to the place where you are spending an hour with God every morning. Maybe you can't start with that. Maybe it's 10 or 15 minutes, maybe five minutes. Maybe it'll stretch out to 30 minutes. I want to introduce you to some thoughts about prayer tomorrow that if you plan on maybe 10 minutes, you'll discover that <laughs> you just want to do more. But intentionally turn from the wisdom and the pressures of this world to the calmness of the discovery you find in those scriptures, the Bible. I've often said, and I still say it today, the hardest decision of your day is to turn from your own way and to simply do this. Open the book. If you get there, the rest of it's easy. Just open the book and listen to God. If I could ask Jonathan and Allison and the others to come get set up here, and while they're doing that, I would like to have you pull out your eight and a half by 11 that we handed out the other day. There should be several sheets here. If you don't have it, maybe we can get another one to you. But the first day was meditation on Matthew 11, 28 through 30. You're supposed to write it out and then uh, say it out loud and then write it out again, see how you're doing with the memory process, and then come up with your own paraphrase. I'd encourage you to do that. That's just a great meditation process of using Scripture memory to help you to meditate to be able to put it in your own words. And then some discussion points there for, for the idea of what it means to come and to take your yoke and to learn and to find rest, which we're working through the rest of the way. The next page is what I'd love for you to, to address maybe later tonight or sometime tomorrow. What a great place to start spending time with the Lord right here at camp. You can get up a little bit early. It's not that early to get up and still be at breakfast at 8.30. But, but take a few minutes to, to ponder these things. Um, I like this statement by Donald Whitney. It is possible to encounter a torrential amount of God's truth without absorption, absor absorption, can't even say the word, you will be little better for the experience. Meditation is absorption, taking it in, letting it sink in. So find rest. So you'll read the passage, you'll examine it by asking questions. You'll look for some key words, verbs. Don't skip over the little words, those connector words for, and, because, then, after. All of those little words give direction to the action of the story and the, and the teaching and the doctrine. Um, look at the main characters. Think about why God was speaking to them and what was going on in their lives. And then scribble some thoughts down about what God is saying to you. And then make the effort during that day to say that or text that to somebody in your life that then you can discover the fellowship around the word of the presence of the Holy Spirit using the word of God to make much of Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to learn a song. We're going to start learning it tonight. We'll just listen to it tonight. But I want it to help, and we're going to learn it through the rest of the week. Um, he's already there. He's already, he already knows. And uh, as we get into the Scriptures, 
and into understanding what prayer does with all of this and our interaction with God on that and discovering His presence, we realize a power that gives an incredible peace because we know God is in sovereign control. He already knows. And so tonight we'll listen to this and then we'll have a word of prayer and then tomorrow we'll start singing along with it. I don't know, maybe we want to sing it twice tonight. What do you think? You guys do it and then we'll see if we want to sing it again. All right? So we'll start with that. But would you take this, go to the scriptures and read and rest in the Lord. Let's listen. Lord, convince us through your word that you already know. We need the rest for our soul that comes from a focus that's looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You've given us the Bible. You've given us your word. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness in it. May we understand the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the peace that passes all understanding that will keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Draw us near unto yourself. May we abide in you and your word abide in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.